Come and worship, come and worship. Worship Christ, the newborn King. Thank you so much, God, for letting us do that today. And I pray through this message that we would remember the reason for the season. Our purpose is to to worship and exalt Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Please bless this time, God, as we look upon Christ. I pray that everyone, everyone would turn to him in faith and hope and trust. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, our sermon title today, which is in your bulletin and on the screen probably, is How to Not Miss Christmas. And um, you'd think that it would be really difficult to miss Christmas each year. Being that, there's lights going around all over the place, going up at houses and neighborhoods, Christmas trees and stockings and decorations, Christmas gifts and cards, the Christmas music that they're playing on the radio, just even like during Thanksgiving time, the shopping sales and displays on all the stores that come up even before Thanksgiving, right, during Halloween for some, uh, all these wrappings and trappings that tell us, hey, it's Christmas time. As nice as all of those things are, though, and as easy as it is to get caught up in all those wonderful things, actually, uh, it becomes just as easy to miss what Christmas is actually all about. So God is good to remind us. And this season and this day uh, we are celebrating is all about the Savior, his coming, his incarnation, John 1.14, the word became flesh, his miraculous birth that happened in real time just over 2,000 years ago. We sang the first Noel earlier. Noel, a French word which has a Latin roots. Uh, Natalis is the Latin word. And uh, the word Noel means birthday. Birthday. So the first birthday. First birthday. Born is the king of Israel. Uh, obviously, there were many births before Jesus's, but his is the first in the sense of being preeminent, okay, the most significant one, the supreme one. After all, Jesus is the promised king who has been born, and not just any earthly king, but the king of all kings. He is first in position and power and glory, and I'm glad that the ladies are going to be studying Colossians again, right? Colossians 1.15, he is the firstborn of all creation, right? He is preeminent, the, the one who's in a class all by himself in his power and glory. Galatians 4, verse 4 says, But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. That fullness of time, that, that day was, was a particular day, roughly two millennia ago. We don't know the exact date, although December 25th has become the accepted date, and that's fine. If God wanted us to know the exact date and time and, and everything, he, he would have told us, right? So apparently it's not that important. December 25th is, is fine. But the fullness of the time in Galatians 4.4 was the exact moment and era in history that God providentially chose 
to send his son into the world of sinners. And now everyone sets their calendars to the time of his birthday, right? The first Noel, indeed. It's the year 2023 now, almost in the books, right? One more week left. Anno Domini is the Latin. In the year of the Lord. You can't get around it. Whether you get it or whether you miss it or you believe it or not, Jesus' birth is so important that everyone sets their days and their months and their years by his birth. So even with all these markers and signs and decorations and indicators, um, literally millions, if not billions, of people today miss the whole point of Christmas. Well, you might be interested to know that almost everyone missed the very first Christmas when Jesus was actually born in a stable. And uh, I'm indebted to Pastor John MacArthur, who wrote a, a little book called God's Gift of Christmas. And it has a section in it that highlights a number of people who missed that first Noel, that first Christmas, the birth of Christ. And um, I commend that little book to you all. I I read it once a year. It's called God's Gift of Christmas. But um, I hope that by looking at some of these folks, uh, none of us will miss it this time around. Okay? So let's look at these, some of these people who missed the first Christmas. And the first was the innkeeper. The innkeeper. Uh, Luke chapter 2. And nowhere in Scripture is this man specifically mentioned by name. Um, He's not even, we don't know anything hardly about him. But Joseph and pregnant Mary were turned away at an inn, which was in Bethlehem. Luke 2 verse 7, she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And so uh, this, this is why Jesus ended up being born in a stable for animals. And what irony that the king of all kings would be born not in a palace, but, but in a stable for animals and even laid in a feeding trough for them with the beasts of burden. Um, regarding the innkeeper, uh, it didn't really dawn on him that the very son of God could have been born on his property. Um, Again, we don't know hardly anything about this man, but it appears that he missed Christmas simply because he was too busy. The Bible doesn't indicate that he was hostile or mean or uncaring to Joseph and Mary, but it seems that he was just preoccupied with other things. He had other business to attend to. And... Isn't that just the case with many of us today? So many people are very busy at Christmas time with lots of activities. And the shopping, the gifts, the gatherings, the parties, at work, at school, concerts. Not necessarily sinful things at all. Some are downright good things, uh, like our Faith Bible Church events and ministries and activities that we, we do um, during this time of year. Um, the other day, me and my family got to go to Cedars across the street and um, just bring some Christmas cheer. We sang some songs for them, 
and uh, just played some instruments and got to give the gospel message. And um, my wife made some cookies, and just it was just such a blessing. But all of this, if all of this busyness is causing us to miss the point of Christmas, which is to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, it's possible that we could be in danger of distraction or tempted to stress or anxiety or even discontent or complaining. And this can happen to believers and to unbelievers. And like the innkeeper, we can become so busy that we forget the point of Christmas or we just miss it completely. Second person we want to look at is King Herod. King Herod, remember from Matthew chapter 2, which Pastor Bill is going to share from tonight. So once again, I invite you all to, to come this evening. But King Herod pretended that he wanted to worship the Christ child. But in reality, he was fearful of this infant, the one called the King of the Jews, who the Magi, right, the wise men, were telling him about. He didn't want any competition for his throne. His position as king was in jeopardy. He considered this Christ child as such a threat to his power, as you recall, that he had all the male babies under two years old in Bethlehem and surrounding vicinity slaughtered to death. A horrific scene which tells us a lot about the evil character of this man called King Herod. So for us, in our world today, most every non-believer that I know, they want to keep rule over their own lives, and which was the same as me before God saved me. Um, they don't want anything or anyone to interfere with their career, their work, their plans, their lifestyle, their hobbies. They don't want anyone telling them what to do and how to live. And these folks, and some of them are, are dear friends, some are dear family members, they won't accept, accept someone else being the king of their lives. Like Herod was, they're threatened by someone else taking over. Especially if that person insists that he is the Lord, like Jesus does over and over and over. In fact, Luke 19.14, uh, Jesus is telling a, a parable there. And the people in Jesus' parable were saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. So the world is filled with kings and queens who will not bow down to King Jesus. I'm here to tell you this morning, if you're not willing to submit your life and your heart to the loving lordship of Jesus Christ, you're not going to just miss Christmas, but you're going to miss heaven. And you're going to be sent to eternal judgment. So we don't want to be like King Herod, who, as far as we know, was sent to that very place. The third person is actually a group of people, the religious leaders and the religious people of Jesus' time. The religious leaders and religious people of Jesus' time. You might ask, wait a second, how could religious people miss Christmas? Especially those who are supposed to be spiritual leaders and teachers, well, they missed it because they thought they knew better, right? 
They thought their, that their practice of religious things and religious activities was right and righteous. They didn't need this Savior to get them to heaven. These kinds of people think that they're okay just the way they are. They're good. They're moral. More good than bad. Mostly kind and righteous. They know that they need improvements here and there, but overall they're okay. Right? Like, like those people who say, I, I go to church sometimes, or I grew up Catholic, or I'm not as bad as some other dirtbags I know. You think I'm bad. Uh, you've never met my coworker. You've never met my uncle. You've never met my fill-in-the-blank. And that's a very dangerous attitude and mindset to have. Jesus said, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Matthew 9, verse 13. In other words, Jesus ministered to unrighteous wretches, people who had problems and sin in their lives, and they knew it. These folks were humbled that God would love even them, such messed up, evil people. And so they came to believe in Jesus as their Savior and followed him as their Lord. And they would agree with the hymn writer John Newton, who wrote, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. There's, again, many, many people today who think that they can just ignore the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh, and still be okay with God. They don't truly understand their need for forgiveness and salvation, just like the religious folks in Jesus' time. Some of them don't understand this because no one ever tells them that they're stricken with this deadly disease which is spiritual and terminal called sin and that they're infected by it and it's going to lead them, again, straight to eternal death. And someone needs to tell them that the only remedy for that disease is Jesus Christ, the great physician, the healer, of our sin-sick souls. There are others who may have grown up in the church or have some Christian background. Um, They've heard about this, but they stubbornly continue to ignore the truth. Somehow they think they're going to make it their way. They think they're a Frank Sinatra, right? I did it my way. And then, of course, Jesus says in John 14, 6, that "Mm, I am the way and the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So don't miss Christmas by thinking that God will accept you on your terms and on your standards. Um, That's what the religious leaders and people did when Jesus was born, and they missed the whole thing. The fourth group of people you want to look at today is, is the Romans, The Romans, as some of you are aware, Jesus was born at the height of the Roman Empire, which was the world's superpower um, back in that that time, just like the United States is today. Roman citizens, Roman soldiers, Romans everywhere, they they must have been around all, all over the place in Bethlehem, doing what they do, the soldiers keeping order in the land. But these people all missed out on Christmas, and why is that? It's because they worshiped false gods. They did worship, as 
Everyone does in some form or fashion. We were made to worship, but they had the wrong object of worship. And the Bible calls this idolatry. The Romans had their own religion, their own set of gods, so much so that they were even willing to let their emperor be treated like a god and pretend to be God. They addressed him as Lord. This was a world of paganism. And it's the world that we live in today, for the most part, where most people have rejected the only true and living God in favor of gods that they've created in their own minds. I'm not necessarily talking about you know, demonic superstition or carved idols of gold uh, like many Romans did, although there are plenty of people around the globe tribal people and others who still worship in that way, exactly that way. Uh, Even in our country, those who believe in a false Jesus, which is not the Jesus of the Bible, like Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, even some Roman Catholics, Unitarians, others who have strayed away from Scripture, and uh, even within Christendom who say that, well, Jesus is Savior, but he's not the Lord, like the Master, God. This would basically be idolatry as well. But there's another way that idols are worshipped, in a sense, these days. They tend to be other things, things that people worship or live for, who find them to be worthy to serve, uh, worship, to find ultimate worth in. And that's the word worthship. Like you find your ultimate fulfillment and satisfaction in. That's what an idol is. And for many, it's money, materialism. Others, it's fame and popularity. For many folks, it's career and their work. Some, it's their passions. We've just followed all the, you know, just the, the messages of Hollywood. Follow your heart. For some, it's sex, romantic relationships. Others, it's food and other lusts of the flesh. For some, it's entertainment and fun and the creature comforts of life and convenience. Then there's the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, which is a false gospel. Like the Romans, uh, this would be idolatry, which God forbids, right? It's the first two commandments. And God forbids it because... He knows that only he is worthy of that kind of love and devotion and dedication and worship. And only he can provide true and lasting peace and joy and fulfillment and delight forever and ever. So God says, don't do that. That will hurt you, and it's wrong. So we don't want to miss Christmas by trusting in anyone or anything else besides the Lord Jesus Christ. The last group of people I want to point out here is the people of Nazareth. The people of Nazareth. We know that Jesus was born in that little town of Bethlehem, but he grew up in a little village called Nazareth. And so he's called Jesus of Nazareth. And through all his growing up years, he lived a perfect life of holiness and love, and righteousness. 
When he started ministering, and this was around the age of 30, he revealed to his fellow Nazarenes that he was the Messiah. And it's uh, in Luke chapter 4, the Messiah, the Christ, the promised one, the Savior. Luke chapter 4, verse 16 to 21. And how did they respond? At the end of that uh, event there, uh, they responded by trying to throw him off of a cliff to his death. See, they did not know who he was, even though they saw him every day on the streets and at school, at the stores, at his workshop, in that small village. What was the problem? In a word, familiarity. Familiarity. They knew him so well that they couldn't believe that he was anyone special. This is familiarity mixed with unbelief. These Nazarenes would be like people today who've been to church their whole lives, heard many, many, many sermons. They learned the Bible in Sunday school or in Awana growing up, uh, who've learned the Christmas story. They've heard the gospel of eternal life through Jesus Christ alone. Yet, they're going to miss Christmas too if there's not genuine faith in the Savior. So we've seen a number of people who missed that very first Christmas. Those who were too busy, preoccupied with so many things. Those who want to be self-ruled and self-authority, autonomous in their own lives. We have also the self-righteous, the moral people. We have those who are mixed up in some kind of idolatry, whatever it is. And then there's those who are so familiar with Jesus from growing up in church or whatever, that, that they don't regard him as who he actually is, which is the King of kings and Lord of lords and the Savior of eternal souls. So how do we not miss Christmas this year or any year from now on? The answer is surprisingly simple. If you are not a believer in Jesus Christ today, if you don't know him as your personal Savior and Lord, which, by the way, means that he does not know you either as his disciple. The answer is to turn from your sin and unbelief and receive him as your Lord and God. He will forgive all your sins. He will change your heart and your life. You can't change your life on your own. He's got to do it, and he will. And he'll give you the greatest Christmas gift anyone could ever receive, which is eternal life forever with him. Listen to 1 Peter 3.18. It says, For Christ also died for sins for all, the just, which is him, for the unjust, which is us. And then Peter writes, So that he might bring us to God. Jesus would bring us to God. That's what he came to do to present us, to make it so that we can be accepted and welcomed into the very presence of a holy, righteous God. Jesus and the Christmas story, dear people, does not exist as an add-on to your what you think is a good and moral life. The gospel offers more than that. It offers the all-satisfying glory of God in the face 
of Jesus Christ. We so easily get caught up in all the wrappings and trappings of Christmas. I do, I admit it. And just as easily we get caught up and distracted, even in the blessings of the season and of life in general. And so all these wonderful things that God gives us, blessings in life, family and friends and house and home and marriage and work and ministry and fun, all these gifts can take the place of the giver himself. And then we end up missing Christmas and the point of all of it. The point of all of it being that we would know and love and worship God in Jesus Christ. We're going to close here with a quote from John Piper. Uh, thoughts after that, but um, John Piper wrote a book called God is the Gospel, uh, another book that I'll commend to you all. He writes, All the enticements of God that are not God are precious and precarious, dangerous. They can lead us to God or lure us to themselves. They may be food or marriage or church or miracles. All of these blessings bring love letters from God. But unless we continually stress that God himself is the gospel, as in the main gift of the gospel, people will fall in love with the mailman. Whether his name is forgiveness of sins or eternal life or heaven or ministry or miracles or family or whatever. End quote. So again, how do you not miss Christmas? Simply repent of your sins, turn from your unbelief, and ask God's forgiveness, trusting in him to save your soul. Believe in Jesus and his death on the cross in your place and submit your life to him as your master, your king, and your loving Lord. If you do this, I'm telling you, he will change you from the inside out. It, it starts on the inside. Your heart, your desires, they're going to be transformed. You're going to begin to desire the best gift that any sinner could ever ask for and ever desire. And that's God himself. That's Jesus Christ himself. So fellow believers and any unbelievers who are listening and here today, what a shame it is if we miss a loved one's birthday. And if, we just, if we just let it pass by. Right? Husbands, we don't do that, do we? But, um, and when I say believers and non-believers, I, I love to call it not yet believers because that's our heart and that's our prayer here. But don't miss Christmas. Okay, you might receive and give the gifts. You might hear and sing the songs. You might put up the tree and decorations and all of that. Special dinner, have days off from work and school. But you'll miss the reality of Christmas if you don't look to Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So let's turn our eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. It's true. The things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, thank you for the good news. And thank you for this special day and special time and special message. And I pray, God, that none of us would would miss the, the point and purpose of this season and the day that we celebrate tomorrow. That Christ came to the world, loved us so much that he died for us and offers us forgiveness and hope and eternal comfort and peace and joy with you forever, who, who is the greatest gift and the primary gift of the gospel, that we get to be with you and know you and love you and worship you and serve you forever. Thank you, God, so much for all the other blessings that you give to us as add-ons, including the gift of each other. What joy it is to be together as a church family today and to reach out to those who don't yet know you with the love of Christ and with the good news. We thank you and praise you in our Savior's name. Amen.